Tangent Tank, Solving the Housing Crisis, a Tangent Original Series. This Tangent Tank dives into the world of prop tech companies tackling the housing affordability and supply crisis. Join our panel of judges, Jeffrey Berman, partner at Camber Creek, Zach Ahrens, co-founder at Metaprop, and prop tech entrepreneur Edward Cohen, as we ask the tough questions and challenge each founder and evaluate their startups based on innovation, potential impact, and scalability. You'll listen firsthand from the founders themselves as they share their stories of determination and resilience. 1.8 billion people around the world do not have adequate housing, and 150 million more are living in homelessness. Housing affordability reached an all-time historic low in the US as over 10 million renters spend over 50% of their income on housing. Amidst these challenges, there is hope. Across the world, we're seeking startups that leverage technology and talent to tackle this crisis head-on, creating groundbreaking solutions that increase the supply of housing, lower housing costs, and improve access to housing for all. If you are a passionate founder, driven to make a positive change in our cities by improving housing affordability and accessibility, please apply by emailing your company's deck or video to tangentcommunity at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Tangent. I'm Edward Cohen. Today on Tangent, we're joined by Zach Ahrens. Thanks for having me. It's a new year, new role. It's an amateur tennis coach. Coach, he skipped the classes and the lessons and he's just going to be teaching tennis. I watched the Nick Boletari documentary, Love Means Zero, and it was revealed that he was never a good, not even not a good tennis player. He was hardly even a mediocre tennis player. And he really didn't even know very much about coaching at all. So I I figured that VC is pretty similar to tennis coaching. So it's a new year. Everybody gets to do New Year's resolutions, right? Reinventing yourself never disappointing. Today on Tangent, we have Ryan Fraser, co-founder and CEO at Arrived Homes, easily invest in rental homes and vacation rentals. Hi, Ryan. Where does this podcast find you? Hi, Edward. Zach, thanks for having me on. I am up in sunny Seattle today and uh, fortunately looking for a new tennis coach. So Zach, just let me know when you're ready. <laughs> Tangent Tennis. Gotta buy that domain. So Arrived Homes, uh, curious to know your origin story. I mean, where did you come up with the idea? How did you form this concept to essentially democratize access to rental income for so many investors that previously weren't able to participate in the appreciation and the benefits that rental housing brings to so many? Yeah. And with Arrived, as you mentioned, really focused on making it easy for anyone to invest in and own rental homes or vacation rental properties, letting them buy shares of individual properties starting from $100. How we got there was really kind of a personal story for myself, for my co-founders, um, and frustration with you know, wanting to own property, but it never being the right time or the right place or having the right capital to get started. Um, for me, for the, the first part of my career, um, I was also an entrepreneur with a previous company I had started with, with one of my co-founders, Kenny. And over about 10 years uh, running that business, it just seemed like we were moving every year or two. We started the company um, actually in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, we moved to the Bay Area because we had raised venture capital. Uh, we moved to Seattle and we merged with a company here. Um, and then we were going back and forth to Chicago. 
And, you know, in that time, um, actually before we moved to Seattle, my wife and I had bought a house about 11 months before. And we were just kind of constantly in this place of what does property ownership look like when, you know, we're moving around every couple of years. We don't know what our family is going to look like. We don't know where we're going to be five years, 10 years from now. And so the idea of, of owning property was important for me just growing up and seeing how big of a part it is for a lot of people in generating wealth. But personally, for my lifestyle at that time, it just wasn't fitting in. Um, and that, I think, kind of created the the um, initial idea around the problem. Um, as my co-founders and I kind of talked about this um, and looked at the, the, the problem we were facing, realized, okay, this is a problem much bigger than just the three of us uh, um, have. You know, the vast majority of people in this country want to own real estate, own property. For them, that typically means you know owning a home uh, or residential real estate. And there are big barriers that prevent them from um, from doing that. Whether it's you know the time um, or location that we were running into, or the expertise or capital required to get started. Um, and so we really kind of looked at okay, how can we make it as easy as possible? How do we recreate the same, you know, experience of owning or investing in property, um, but without those same barriers? And so that's where really how we kind of got here with with arrived. Interesting. So is is your premise that I mean the the American dream of owning a home and, and building generational wealth isn't isn't achievable for most, uh, at least like it used to. Um, so instead, people becoming renters and investing in in rentals. Uh, and that's how they'll be able to participate in in wealth generation instead. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is that um, you know owning property doesn't have to be tied to the home you're living in, especially if you're earlier in your life or earlier in your career. Um, people are moving around now. I think the stat is um, every two to three years, and so people are no longer kind of staying in their hometowns for their entire life, and and that means that. Um, you know, making a, such a big investment of their assets into a single house in an area where they may need to move in a year or two for for work or for other reasons um, is, you know, changing. And so that's really what we kind of think we can help with is through providing an easier path to invest, you know, starting from $100, you can invest in homes on Arrive now across almost 60 markets. Um, and you can build a portfolio that's diversified across multiple properties. Um, and so we really think with that model, people could start owning property five, maybe 10 years earlier in their life. Um, at the same time, we also have uh, another kind of set of investors on Arrive who are really just looking for more passive ownership of property. Maybe they do own one rental home um, in their backyard where they live currently. Um, but they want to diversify into other markets across the country, um, and they don't want to be responsible for a lot of the work typically involved in owning property. And so that's where we think you know we're able to help them as well diversify and have more passive access to this asset. Right. I think this this paradigm shift in terms of the decoupling between generating income from re rental properties from housing essentially uh, without having to own it. Uh, outride yourself, I think is is crucial here. Um, but let's talk about. Uh, so you said you so you enable investors to buy shares in properties, earn passive income, and you take care of the rest. Uh, so <laughs> what is the rest here? Do you also provide management? Do you lease the property? Do you take care of any 
uh, fixes, maintenance. Yeah, there's there's a lot of work involved both in finding and acquiring a property and then in managing that asset. Um, and so for investors, it really is like investing in a company stock. You're not, you know, you're not responsible in meeting with the management team of that company or uh, managing the operations of that business. The same is true within Arrived. Um, we take care of the asset management components, which means putting together the pricing for the asset, the playbook for our property management partners, um, and then dealing with all of the accounting and tax filings um, for investors so that they get a convenient 1099 statement at the end of the year for any of their returns that they can incorporate into their taxes. We also take care of all of the uh, property management through our partners in each market. Um, so that means you know, dealing with the resident relationships, any maintenance required, um, and everything else involved. So for investors, it is purely a passive investment. And um, you know, they are really meant to just be able to get exposure to the the investment returns after you know the expenses of operating a property. Yeah. Can, can you dive into the returns? And you mentioned sort of public equity. How do they differ from just because if you're just going to be renting, especially in a high interest rate environment, um, one can make the argument, oh, just put the money in risk-free government bonds or play the equity market where you get a basket of public REITs, you know, and, and, and further diversification. Um, so how do you now sort of sell arrived uh, and the yields, the coupons uh, people can clip uh, when compared to a, a, a paradigm of other potential investments out there that look different? than they did maybe when you started the business. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things to, to think about with that. One is, you know, what are the investment returns within residential real estate? Um, and two is like, yeah, well, how do you think about allocating capital to that versus, you know, other investment classes? Um, from the investment return side, the there was a, a Harvard study and um, that looked at the S&P 500, the stock market, and residential real estate. And the, the main finding of that study is really that residential housing has delivered historically returns in line with the stock market. So I think 8 to 10% per year on a consistent basis. But one of the big benefits of um, investing in real estate and hard assets uh, and private markets is just that there's less volatility. So you're getting same, the same or similar returns as public markets, but without the same level of volatility. Um, and for that, you are maybe trading some of the speed of liquidity. So if it's capital that you don't need access to immediately, or you don't need to be able to liquidate at any time, then that can provide a great kind of baseline for generating the consistent returns from rental income, property value appreciation, um, and you know, without the the volatility of the market. Um, on the other side, and how to compare to other assets, let's say high yield savings accounts right now, or um, public real estate investment trusts or or REITs. Um, you know, it, it is a really interesting time in the market right now because interest rates are much higher than they have been over the last ten years. Um, I think it's the highest in the last ten years, and you know, consistently high for this period of time. Although not high in the grand scheme of of things, if you go back too much longer than that. Um, but that means that you know more people are putting cash that they want immediate access to in high yield savings. They can get a five percent um, current interest on that right now. And when we think about 
rental properties today, they're generating from rental income, probably a similar rate across our portfolio. You know, maybe we're generating four to 7% um, dividend yields on the properties. The one point of, point of difference that investors who are allocating to real estate um, keep in mind is that a lot of that income um, has tax benefits. The depreciation um, offsets a lot of the current income so that you're not paying tax on it versus um, the income coming from, let's say, a high yield savings account, which is taxed at the highest marginal rate. So you really got to look at that comparison, kind of the after-tax comparison if you want to compare yields. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the real estate side, the other things it has going for it is the potential for um, rental growth over time, the potential for property value growth over time. Um, and so that's, I think, when you're comparing those two assets head to head, how people think about it. And then for public REITs um, or real estate investment trusts, I think the nice thing about Arrived is really about getting people close to the returns of the underlying assets. So what you're buying is an LLC that owns that specific property. Um, once you start to invest in public REITs, those share prices start to fluctuate far more based on where are interest rates heading and other market forces. Um, And so you lose a little bit of the benefit of real estate having lower correlation to public markets. And so that's really what we've tried to do with Arrive, make the returns really driven far more by the underlying real estate itself. Um, It makes it a great diversification um, asset to public markets or other types of investments for that reason. And um, so that's how, how we think about it. Um, and in general, you know, what we see investors do is just allocating a portion of their portfolio to real estate, to high yield savings, if it's cash that they want to have immediate access to or to public markets and other things. That's great. Yeah. Super important to look at what your after tax yield is. And that's why, uh, look at your new tax bracket. There's some new tax brackets coming out. Um, might be an interesting time. To also revisit municipal bonds, which uh, are completely tax-free. Um, not a real estate tip, but you know, municipalities are, as we know, necessary evils to drive our real estate forward in terms of permitting and things like that. So, uh, a very, very cogent explanation on on how to how to look at uh, the investment um, in the context of other other things. You know, you mentioned crisscrossing the country mm-hmm. sort of build this business. What is so special for prop tech about the Seattle ecosystem? Z- Zillow came out of there. You know, it's grunge coffee and prop tech are sort of Seattle's best <laughs> to the world. So do you have any insight into why that is? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. You have, you have Zillow, you have Redfin. Um, I don't necessarily know why that is. I mean, Seattle itself is a very interesting real estate market in its own right, just because there's, it's so constrained in land. Water is everywhere. It's very hard to uh, access land in Seattle. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting for that perspective, but you know, when you have these companies like Zillow and like Redfin that have been you know, very successful in the early days of of prop tech. You know, Zillow initially in in creating access to all the information um, related to housing. I think you know that that just creates this diaspora of people who understand. You know, what does what does this business model or category look like? And you get people who are operating in these businesses um, who 
have ideas that they see that they want to go solve on their own that they think it's better you know fit to solve outside of Zillow or some of these companies. So that's probably what it is. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure outside of that. I think you also have the talent of the first successful tech generation of Amazon and Microsoft that have been there. And, you know, it's become this hub. Uh, also, don't forget, we also have Chaz or had Chaz for about a week, the Capitol Hill occupied protest. So uh, those are crucial fundamentals for the ecosystem. In the heart of Silicon Valley, there's an organization making waves in helping solve the housing crisis, Housing Trust Silicon Valley. At Housing Trust, they provide developer financing, homeownership assistance, and lender and broker resources to help create more equitable and affordable communities. Established over 20 years ago by local businesses, community leaders, and affordable housing activists, Housing Trust Silicon Valley uses transformative housing finance and public and private partnerships to create a strong, affordable housing market. From those experiencing homelessness to developers, renters, and first-time home buyers, Housing Trust SV is dedicated to ensuring that every neighbor has access to safe, stable, and affordable housing. Housing Trust SV is making a difference in the 14 counties of the Greater Bay Area and Sacramento. These are communities with a common need, more affordable housing and the capital to support its development. Join the Housing Trust SV in making a lasting impact on our communities. Housing Trust Silicon Valley, where innovation meets compassion. Learn more at housingtrustsv.org. Ryan, I'm curious about your model because when I go to your website, beautiful website, you can pick between investing on a deal-by-deal basis. You brand the homes, you can pick the homes. They sound, I mean, I want to live there, I want to invest in them. Uh, but you also have the funds. And coincidentally, we hosted uh, Ben Miller from Fundrise recently on Tangent, where they they were not in providing uh, investments in uh, individual homes. However, they did start their model by investing, offering asset by asset basis. And they have since then uh, evolved into providing funds where where they perceive it to be more diversified. So I'm curious on the two options that you offer for investors, one being that you can invest in an individual home uh, and you get returns from that home versus you also offer people to invest in in funds. Uh, what are the differences yeah. there? Why would someone pick one over the other? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we really want to make both ways of investing available to investors so that they can decide um, so on Arrived, you can browse individual homes similar to browsing Zillow um, or, and then buy shares in any of the houses you see and kind of create your own portfolio. That's really the kind of do-it-yourself model if you want to have complete control of what properties, what markets make up your portfolio. And then we have um, our single-family residential fund, which is meant to be a, a fund of properties that's curated for you. And it's completely kind of um, the selection criteria is driven by, you know, our, our team and it's more hands-off, more passive. And when we think about, you know, our investors on Arrived and in general, what investors want, I think, you know, this space, real estate investing online is going to follow a very similar trend of what happened in the stock market early on, you know, the, the, as the stock market kind of grew in, in popularity. You're going through individual brokers. There's high fees on transactions to invest. It's really a um, high net worth 
criteria to be able to participate. There's the stock trading floor and everything else. Then you see online brokerages come about. Um, consumers are able to invest for relatively low transaction fees into individual stocks um, because that's you know where they can bring more information to the table. Many times they're customers of these companies, and so they're, they can you can invest in what you believe in. The same may be true for individual properties on Arrive. It's like picking and choosing the individual stocks you want to invest in. People who are picking that approach, they may have specific cities or markets that they believe in or segments of properties that they want to invest in. And then now, you know, this next evolution is really about more the index and mutual fund. As you start to become comfortable with investing in real estate, now you're interested in, okay, how can I contribute more passively? I have an idea or thesis that makes sense to me. For us, the single family residential fund is, you know, individual single family rentals, scattered lot across the country. Um, and if you believe in that um, asset, that it's going to continue to drive, you know, the returns consistently as it has, then maybe this uh, index mutual fund is a great way to contribute on an ongoing basis. And so that's really how we we think about you know the market evolving over time, um, and then you know if you look at you kind of fast forward ahead to the stock market and where it's at today, you have companies like Robinhood introducing things like options trading and more derivative prod products um, that retail investors are starting to participate in, and we think it's interesting. Some of those things are now happening in the real estate space. There's companies that are allowing you to trade against, you know, market up and down movements within specific zip codes. And it's interesting to kind of see, okay, there'll be in different components here within the real estate market as well. Interesting. Let's talk a bit more about your investors, both who are your investors in the platform, but your who are your backers? Um, I mean, you have over half a million investors on the platform, impressive in the years that you've been operating. Uh, and on the other hand, you've also raised over $160 million from venture equity and debt, uh, including Jeff Bezos or his venture capital. Um, so first, let's uh, talk about the investors on your platform. Uh, who are these investors? You know, they can invest as little as $100, but you also have more sophisticated investors. So talk about the, your investor community and, you know, how do you, how have you basically attracted them? Who are they? What are their profiles? Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been incredible to see the interest from, you know, individuals getting more exposure to investing in, in homes and, and rental properties. Um, we see a couple of kind of profiles emerge. We have on one side investors who are maybe investing in their very first property, so maybe they're new to to investing in rental homes um, or property, but they uh, are very interested in starting to get exposure earlier. Uh, for them, the education and content that we produce is also really important because a lot of people may um, want to develop more expertise in real estate investing in general, whether that means investing more on Arrived or investing more on their own outside of Arrived. Um, and so we do a, we create a lot of um, content around you know how real estate investing works and run webinars with our our team uh, that go into deeper con concepts uh, like tax, which is a fun one that uh, um, we were surprised by how much engagement there was around the tax aspects of of real estate. But um, it's definitely a, a topic that can be complex, but is interesting for a lot of people who are just getting started investing in real estate. And then on the other extreme, we have, you know, this segment of folks that 
uh, may own properties today. They may have you know one or two um, rental properties. Maybe they've decided to no longer manage properties and may have already done that. Or maybe they're just looking to diversify across the country. Um, and those individuals are you know really looking to arrive for for those things to uh, kind of retire from being a landlord, from owning property on their own, and the responsibilities that's required with that. Um, and to be able to invest more passively. So those are some of the, I think, profiles that we see popping up more often. Um, but with you know over half a million people signed up, it's a really wide swath of, of people that this kind of resonates with. I want to ask you about your the venture that you've raised mm-hmm. and, and your plans going forward. And also want to get Zach's take here. You're buying these homes outright, right? And or, or co-buying them with your investors. And and to keep growing, you you need to raise debt to keep competing in the market. And you're also competing with institutional single-family rental owners and operators like Invitation Homes. Uh, so how are you planning to keep competing, you know, in such a tight housing market and also from venture side, you know, how do you keep funding this growth uh, sustainably? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the, the capital that we raise and Really, the venture capital we've raised to date is $35 million for the company. A lot of that was um, early in developing the product and, and you know building the company and making sure that we have a really robust cash position such that uh, we are going to be here for a very long time, forever. That's the business that I think you have to build in financial services. Um, you got a plan for the very, very long term. That said, the, the business itself is relatively capital efficient. You know, we aren't using that cash to go out and acquire properties and hold them on um, our balance sheet. The other portion that you mentioned, over $100 million in, in debt financing, um, is was really used for long-term mortgages on the property. So for you know rental properties, especially 18 months and before ago when um, interest rates were lower on mortgages, uh, the low rate of mortgages, the ability to add leverage to your equity investments is one of the big benefits of, of real estate investing. So we created a mortgage program. It was um, loans on individual properties. It's non-recourse to um, any investors or to arrived. It's really backed by the underlying property. Um, with fixed rates and you know long-term schedules, really to provide again leverage on those properties. It's not debt that's held within our company, um, and you know so that that was really um, how we've used debt within the business for the most part, um, and it's worked out well. I think our average you know interest rate across properties that are financed um, is around four four and a quarter percent at this point because of where interest rates move to. Um, we haven't been financing new properties being offered on arrived. So they've been being fully funded with equity um, and the option to refinance them in the future. But for the time being, investors are liking the lower risk, um, but also the higher cash flow being paid out um, right now. And so, you know, we have across the portfolio probably something like 20%, um, maybe less of the, at this point of leverage in all of the properties. Um, and so that's really, you know, kind of the the history of the financing programs really more for the our customers than for operating arrived. In terms of our model itself, um, we go out and find properties. We look at the 
you know, every property or market that we're in across 60 markets, we're underwriting all the properties that are coming available um, through the MLS or partnerships. And then we're looking at builders as well. Uh, new developed homes have been a big focus of ours. We just like the profile. We think um, renters really like new homes that they help drive um, better you know, rental rates, but also faster leasing. Also has a lower maintenance profile, um, so easier to maintain and just, again, less risk on what the maintenance or capital expenditures might be over the life of an investment period for that property. Um, so we're underwriting those properties, making offers and going under contract. And then we use that under contract period to essentially prepare the property to be launched on a ride. One thing we didn't mention yet is that we created a process with the SEC of basically IPOing a house. So similar to IPOing a company, each one of the properties on arrives is becoming an exempt public offering under Regulation A. That means it's going through um, an SEC review process uh, really around investor protection, um, but also it's what allows us to um, open up offerings to non-accredited and accredited investors so anyone can participate. So we'll go under contract with the home, register it in our SEC offering structure. Um, typically at this point, that takes about seven days for qualification. And then we'll list it on Arrive um, for investors to invest. Um, in the history of the company, typically we're releasing properties about once per week. They'll fully fund you know, in 24 hours that day. And then we'll hold the capital in escrow, um, close on the property, close on the investment amount. And then at that point, the investors fully own the equity or that is available for that property. So one LLC that owns one property, they own their proportional share of any of the rental income um, after expenses, any of the uh, prop future property appreciation that they can see in share price growth. Um, and so that's really kind of a little bit of the behind the scenes of how the model works and kind of gets properties into the into the hands of investors. Yeah, that's fascinating. Couple couple things to highlight in what you said. Uh, BTR, build to rent, increasingly becoming popular. Um, finally making a dent in the undersupply. Uh, there's about a million units currently uh, under construction in the country. Uh, we need uh, five times that level, but uh, it's certainly more than the 3,500 we created from office repurposing. Um, so BTR is definitely a theme that everybody's sharing and you're actually seeing a lot of the home builders, who, by the way, experienced one of their best years ever in the stock market last year, um, increasingly moving into BTR. Um, and then with respect to the financing, I think uh, even though we had a slightly hot uh, inflation readout just now, I think general consensus is that uh, mortgage rates uh, have peaked, at least for this part of the cycle. Um, and so most real estate investors are uh, interested in finding good opportunities. They'll take the pain of financing them with all equity and they're projecting some refinancing event in call it 2025 post-stabilization of the asset. Um, obviously different size and, and class assets take longer to stabilize or not. Um, but I think you're increasingly seeing, as well as you're seeing a trend of interest into BTR, you're seeing also a trend of interest into into investors willing to accept a short-term rate reduction or the certainty of going all equity and the hope, uh, at least the hypothesis, 
that uh, rates are going to come down over the next 24 months. Yeah, I think it was, you know, when we first introduced that as rates, mortgage rates started to increase, the idea of financing properties with full equity and the oper- having the option to do a refinance in the future when rates were more favorable, um, our investor community loved it because they're able to get, you know, higher cash flow today that they could reinvest or use however they like. They're taking less risk while they see what happens with with property values, and they're not really foregoing a lot of the benefit of leverage um, because if property values do continue to go up as they have, they can still do a cash out refinance, enjoy the benefit of some of that leveraged appreciation. Um, But I do think it was a contrarian opinion at the time when we introduced that because leverage and financing is so intertwined with real estate and how real estate returns work. but uh, fortunately, you know, the investor community on Arrived has really liked that. And in terms of um, the kind of share of their wallet or investments, it hasn't been a meaningful change. If you're buying a whole home and you're deciding, I'm going to buy it with full equity versus putting 20, 30% down, well, that's a huge additional allocation of cash to that specific property. But on Arrived, I think one of the reasons we've um, been successful and able to grow in this environment is that the individual dollars that an investor is investing in each property, while we are financing them with with full equity, hasn't had to change. If you want to put a thousand dollars in this house, and you would have done that whether it was financed today or financed in a year from now, you can still put that same thousand dollars down. You don't have to put, you know, the full equity in that specific property um, and hurt some of your diversification or get over concentrated. So I think that's been, you know, really where the fractional model has kind of shined um, in this current market too, is that you can invest, you can go full equity, but you don't have to over-concentrate to any one asset when doing that. Interesting. Um, Let's move on to housing market predictions for 2024 and beyond. Um, Arrived published uh, its predictions for the following year, some quite spicy, some quite expected, but... uh, yeah, I want you to share with uh, the tangent listeners what are you expecting, you know, from uh, an investor's perspective, from uh, how you know the different appreciation will happen across different markets, um, renters struggling to find quality housing, uh, and and how will the job market and the housing market uh, be impacted or impacting each other? Yeah. So oh, I think one of the things that um, within Arrive that we think has been growing over time, a theme that we've seen growing over time just in the way people are thinking about it, but that we think is, you know, really um, kind of coming to a head this year is the idea of owning equity instead of um, a home you're living in as a new part or wedge of the American dream of owning a home. I think a big reason why is, you know, one, there's more education around investing um, and owning a rental property and, and what that could look like while you're renting. But the other thing is uh, John Burns, He's a uh, they do industry publications on the housing market. They've been publishing the, uh, oh, it's incredible. Um, and they've been publishing the delta on cost between how much it costs to rent versus how much it costs to buy the same home in each market. And over the last few months with housing prices and interest rates, um, that delta has started started to be a thousand dollars per month more expensive to own than to than to rent. And what we kind of see is the potential for people who are choosing to rent right now, especially while inventory levels are low, which we can talk about as a prediction too. 
um, they can use that extra thousand dollars a month in savings to, over the course of the year, invest twelve thousand dollars into um, property ownership and continue to do that until they find a home that they do want to buy, or until the market um, interest rates change to where that affordability starts to shift back to owning as well. Um, so we think that the idea of you know the the American dream of owning a home starting to open up to owning versus just where you live will continue. Um, we think that renters will keep having challenges finding quality housing, though. Um, I think it just is a, a really challenging market with COVID and um, the kind of moving out of the city center um, and apartments to get more space in the halo around these cities um, and people moving to other areas of the country. There's just a shortage of rental housing. Um, Zach mentioned on the the build for rent trend and they're trying to catch up, but it takes a long time for builders to catch up to some of these migration trends because they just were accelerated so quickly during COVID um, and they have really continued in in many ways. Um, So we think that that will be a challenge. Um, I think that in general, real estate appreciation is going to be different market to market. That's always been the case in real estate. Um, but you know, I think with the rapid price appreciation we saw in 2020 and 2021, um, and where we're seeing where the net migration patterns are are falling out uh, within the housing market, there's going to be markets where they continue to do well. They hadn't seen quite as rapid price appreciation, or the local um, area is just far more affordable in general. Um, that it allows for those markets to continue to grow, whereas there's other markets where maybe they were a bit more overheated um, and they may be slower to kind of appreciate if, to, if even when and if um, interest rates do come down. I mean, prices in Florida, especially in South Florida, just kept increasing last year. I mean, Florida seems unstoppable at the moment, famous last words, but well, places like Austin and Phoenix, uh, you know, cooled down finally after a run up in prices, but uh, do you think do you expect any any markets to to make the headlines this year, either positively or negatively, that are being overlooked by by investors? Florida should cool down. No one can afford the insurance and property taxes there anymore. Every I read an article about how unaffordable insurance is there. You can't have affordable housing if you don't have affordable. I don't. You have to be so mega rich to save money on this income tax. You know the state income tax exemption. Property taxes there have gone through the roof. Um, there are whole towns that cannot afford uh, insurance currently in Florida. So that uh, that entire state saves some trophy markets um, is due for a massive correction unless somebody can properly model out the actuarial risk associated uh, from a PNC coverage perspective. Be interesting to get a PNC expert in that market on the show in yep. the hot seat. I'm on it. PNC expert. I would listen to request. that. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's a challenge. Florida especially is a very challenging market with, um, with where um, the insurance costs are today. We have a handful of properties there, but in the vacation rental segment where we're able to get higher rental income just from bookings, um, it can offset some of those higher costs, but long-term rentals, um, where the margin can be slimmer, it just doesn't uh, doesn't pencil there at this point. Ryan, collaboration superpower. 
If you could choose one person, historic or living, to do a partnership with, to do a collaboration with, who would it be? The funny thing is I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing now and, and with the team. And I'll take this opportunity to say, I love my co-founders, Kenny and Ale, and our team that arrived. But I wanted to try to figure out, okay, what would be a curveball? Um, and Christina Tosi is is who came to mind. So she's the founder of, of Milk Bar, which uh, I have a sweet tooth. I've followed their products for a while. And what I like about um, what she has been able to do with, with Milk Bar is really tap into like the emotion of nostalgia. So they're famous for um, the cereal milk ice cream. So taking that like moment when you're a kid and you're like mixing your cereal and the milk and drinking the uh, drinking the milk and um, putting it into ice cream. So that when you take a bite, you have that memory. And and she's done that with um, with other baked goods and desserts that they're they're really known for. Um, and and I think they've also done a great job of growing and scaling that business. I now see Milk Bar e uh, everywhere. So I'd say she seems like an incredible entrepreneur as well. Um, but I really like in general, like how can you connect with someone with a customer, um, create that like whether in her case, it's a, a nostalgic memory or an emotional feeling, make some, someone feel something. And I think that's it really fun as an entrepreneur to be able to see that reaction. Um, so I think it'd be someone uh, fun to build a totally, completely different business industry potentially with. I don't know if it would be in the the restaurant world. Uh, maybe if she's interested in coming over to real estate, we can come up with something. Um, but that's uh, that's someone who comes to mind and that I've been really impressed with watching build that business. That's such that, cool. Yeah, love that answer. He went to high school with a friend of mine and she's supposed to be amazing so it's not you know oh. th in this case you you can meet your hero and she was not <laughs> i have can i give a new one i've given many over the years but it's got to be given one this year it's brad gilbert greatest tennis coach of all time <laughs> he, he he epitomizes his whole philosophy is winning ugly it's like do what the opponent, you're playing an opponent. The opponent has to lose just as much as you have to win. You don't need to be perfect every day. You just need to focus on on your your fundamentals. And I love that. I love his whole ethos. I I stay up at night watching his YouTubes. He's also he was a pretty good player in his day. He was a Jewish player when there. I mean, there are not any Jewish players on tour right now, to my knowledge. But back then, there was only him and Aaron Krikstein and a couple other. Jewish players when I was first growing up. So I've always idolized him. I don't know if he coaches VCs or if he would be open to it, but um, it's been a couple of years since I've worked with an executive coach and maybe I should, you know, do something crazy and hire a tennis coach to coach me in VC. I love both of those answers. First of all, uh, I remember the first ever Milk Bar, tiny place in the East Village and seeing the growth uh, now it's been fascinating and, you know, seeing how her products have impacted so many people. Um, now, in terms of Brad Gilbert, I have a personal story because in my previous life as a tennis player, and for those who don't know, Brad Gilbert was Andre Agassi's coach. Um, I read his book and it impacted me a lot in my game because I was never the strongest tennis player or the biggest or the fastest, but I could make less mistakes than my opponent every single time. And in tennis and like in life, it's it's not about who makes the most winners or who makes the most impressive shots. It's who makes the less unforced errors. 
And and that's what tennis is about. And that's what life is about as well. Consistency and, and just don't making too many unforced errors or at least less than whoever you're competing with. Ryan, where can Tangent listeners connect with you and learn more about Arrive? Yeah, you can learn more on arrive.com. Um, and yeah, reach out if you would love to chat with you. Um, if you have interest in in what we're what we're doing. Um and yeah, thanks again for for having me on, for listening to a little bit of our our story on how we got here. Ryan Frazier, co-founder and CEO of Arrived Homes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, thank you both. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Tangent and share the show with a friend. This episode is produced by me, Edward Cohen. Thanks for listening to Tangent. And remember, collaboration is our superpower. So stay curious and always be learning.